0: welcome back to another episode of In No Hurry. I'm your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. So happy to be back with you guys for another episode. It is Holy Week. I hope you guys are all having a great week as you prepare your hearts for Easter. And I hope that everybody is staying safe and finding ways to manage this crazy world that we continue to live in. And I'm so happy about the episode that I have for you guys this week because I think this is going to be one of the most useful episodes that I will put out during this COVID-19 quarantine era that we're living in, so to speak. My guest this week is Art Rainer. He is the author of a book called Find More Money, and this conversation is all about ways that we can... Do just that, find more money, especially in a time where a lot of people are unfortunately losing their jobs or they're losing their part-time jobs or their gig economy type jobs are no longer happening. And this is a great conversation about ways that we can creatively find new ways to make money even whenever we feel like the chips are stacked against us. So this was helpful for me. I think think it's going to be helpful for you guys as well. And he's just a great financial mind. He's written other books and lots of articles about finances, especially from the Christian perspective. So I definitely encourage you to check out his articles as well. And I will link his website in our show notes. You guys can check that out as well. But I really hope this conversation benefits you because I know that there are a lot of people out there who are hurting for ways to find money right now and ways to make money. And they're hurting because maybe they've lost their job. So I really hope that this conversation helps you. I hope you guys find some value in it and I hope that you come away learning something and are motivated to find more money. Here's my conversation with author Art Rainer. Well, Art, welcome to the show. I, I, uh, I'm pretty excited to talk to you here just because I'm hoping I'm going to learn something from this conversation as well. But uh, this, is a, this is a time where you got a book out called Find More Money, and this is a time where I think a lot of Americans are, are feeling the uncertainty of what's going on, and that's a topic that everybody has on their mind is a way to, to find some more money during this time. So welcome to the show. I'm glad to talk to you about this book.
1: Yeah. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: So – talk to me about the premise of this book how you came up with it and ultimately i guess i don't want to say what your goal was behind it but what what led you to to wanting to write this book
1: so i've written a few different books on personal finances uh the marriage challenge the money challenge there's a a few kids books that, that that are out and after writing those books and speaking in a number of different, different places, I would have people that would either come up to me after speaking or they would send me an email. And they would say something like this Hey, Art, I love what you've written. I love the lens through which you write, but here's my problem I don't necessarily have a lot of debt, uh, I don't spend extravagantly. You know, i don't have all these uh, subscription services i don't have netflix i don't have disney plus i don't have any of, any of that stuff um, but i'm still struggling to have money at the end of every month just to pay my bills and to put food on the on the table and and so what i realized is that i had spent a lot of time and understandably focusing on one side of the financial equation you see there's two different sides to the financial equation you have your expense side which a lot of people um, talk about that particular side. We talk about budgeting and getting rid of debt and all. We talk a lot about that side of the equation, but there's another side of the financial equation that's just as important and just as impactful, and that's the income side of the equation. And so there are some out there where their margin is incredibly slim. And so the idea of them putting money away toward college savings to put money to retirement to be able to even pay off any debt that they do have uh it's just it seems so far out there because they have no margin in their budget in fact the 78% of Americans right now are living paycheck to paycheck that's four out of every five of us 40% of Americans right now don't have 400 dollars or more set aside for a financial emergency and of course i would say during these times those numbers are not going to be better. I don't know what the numbers are, but I can tell you that they're not getting better. And so I decided to make a shift and focus on the side of the equation that I knew well, and that's the income side of the financial equation. I have been doing side gigs um, for actually quite some time. I didn't realize that it was a part of the quote unquote gig economy. Um, until somebody finally coined it, uh, the term, right. and, and so I had been learning lessons all along the way about how to make money outside of your day-to-day job, outside of your forty-hour-week job. How to make money outside of that, and so I just took the principles that I had learned and put it into a book. And really, it's just one big workflow. For, for the reader that walks them through from first of all guys design for money God's design for work and then how to identify the gig that's right for you and then start working toward whatever financial goal that you're trying to trying to achieve whether it's getting rid of debt whether it's saving money for, for retirement or simply you're trying to increase your margin so that you can live and give more generously and so um yeah that that was the it was really birthed out of the idea just out of conversations that I was having with a number of people who expressed the exact same need over and over and over again.
0: I don't think when you wrote this book that you would have envisioned that we would be in a time like we're living right now where the unemployment rates in each state are, are what they are. And I know there's a lot of people that, you know, they've lost either their part-time job, maybe even their full-time job and they're relying on whatever, side gig that they have to to bring in money and a lot of people or some people don't have that side gig and they're they're hurting i mean and in this in this type of economically strained period if somebody's looking to get a side gig where they could start bringing in some more money i mean how difficult can it be when the economy is what it is and uh, what are what are some places? I, I guess it kind of depends on the person, you know, their skill set and that kind right. of thing. But I guess what advice would you have for somebody who might be looking for ways to make some money during this time when they don't know when it might be okay to go back to work normally? Maybe they work in a service job, you know, they're a waiter and they rely on those tips and they can't do that now. Um, how can people find what would typically be a side gig during this time, whenever uh, there just might not be much out there?
1: Yeah, it, so things have certainly changed. There's, there's no question about that. Um, the side gigs that were viable um, even a few weeks ago um, are no longer viable. I mean, you've, we've seen reports about how Uber and Lyft, so those are often the go-to side gigs. People talk about side gigs. They always go to Uber or Lyft. Um, the, those who have those side gigs, their income is dropping dramatically. Um, if you did rover.com, um, so, uh, maybe you, you do pet sitting, ba- basically, um, there may be so, some opportunity there, but more than likely that has gone down as well as more as less people are now traveling. So they have less of a need to have somebody take care of their dog. Airbnb, that one has, uh, inevitably gone down as well. Once again, I'm not, I haven't seen the numbers. I'm just making right. assumption that there are a number of side gigs that, were viable just a few weeks ago that are not necessarily viable now, that you're not gonna make the same type of income that you could, or now that doesn't mean that you're not gonna be able to, you uh, do those type of side gigs in the future, once we once we get out of this, now we don't know when it will happen, but they could be viable side gigs in the future. So what we're really looking at are more digital options right now is people are at home and uh, the, the only way that they have to, be able to make income is really through their, often through their computer. Um, and so fortunately, there are still a number of side gigs out there. Um, when, when you looked at the statistics on side gigs prior, once again, to the economic downturn, there were about 57 million uh, individuals in the United States that had a side gig. And, and so there are a number of side gigs out there that um, we're impacted, but also are, are not in, impacted um, by uh, these types of downturn. I think of my, my neighbor who uh, gets up early in the morning and does tutoring, um, actually in, in China. And so she uh, teaches English to Chinese students. And there are a number of different tutoring options out there, a number of tutoring platforms out there where you can do uh, that type of work digitally. And I would say that has actually increased more now because parent home they're looking for options to educate their 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 children. So if you are able to tutor whether it's on a particular subject or um, even an instrument, there's a number of different um, types of tutoring options. Those types of side gigs and opportunities there have actually increased as opposed to decreased. So the key is finding which side gig is right for you. And I talk about this and, and find more money. What you want to find is the trifecta. And this is where your passion, your skill, and the opportunity to actually make money all collide together. So you have your passion. What, what actually gets you in the morning? What, what are you excited about um, without anybody, you know, forcing you need to be excited about? Like, what, what, what do you talk about? When nobody's forced you to talk about often, uh, warn people, if I'm going to talk about finances or if they ask me a financial question, that I have to sit down and get comfortable because it's likely going to be an hour or two because I'm going to go on this massive monologue and um, because I just, I just enjoy talking about finances. What did you like to do as a child? um when nobody was forcing you to do anything right i mean so what did you what did you resort to doing what did you dream about what is your passion so book helps you identify your, your passion and then what is your actual skill set now we're not talking about what you think that you're good at um, I, I may think that i'm the world's greatest rapper that's being <laughs> and kanye and i'm right up there with him but if you ask my kids or my wife they will tell you that I am nowhere near <laughs> Kanye or in anywhere. Um, so rapping is not my is not my, my thing. I don't have anybody reaching out to me, sending me a text saying, hey Art, we need somebody to either be a DJ or to rap at this particular concert. Would you mind doing it? Um, I don't have anybody doing that. And so what are you actually good at? And one of the ways to determine what you're actually good at is to see what other people say that you're good at and what other people are actually asking you to do when you receive a text that says will you help me with and then fill in the blank what is that thing that fills in 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 that blank for me it's personal finances or organizational finances finances um so i receive a ton of text even especially during this time right now Um, questions about uh, personal finances, should I invest now, Um, what should I do about my side gig, or church and organizational finances, how do I manage my budget during this economic downturn? I get that text a lot. Again, I don't get the, the text that says, hey, Kanye dropped, would you mind filling in? Um, and then finally, what is the opportunity where you can actually make money? And of course, this right now is the most important. If you're looking at a, a prioritization of those three, the most important is, can you actually make money doing it? And so um, what is the place where passion, skill, and opportunity meet? That's your trifecta. And that's going to be the ideal place, whatever that opportunity is. and In the book, I list out some some opportunities that help you think through um, what you actually could do as a uh, with your with your side gig um that's going to be the thing that it just simply doesn't even seem like a a job anymore i was um when we could go to to the gym. i i was um i, I use the term run i'm not sure if you you classify it as run, but i was alongside somebody on a, on a treadmill and i was moving he was moving <laughs> and we were talking about this this particular project and he he had a side gig, and he told me something that really uh, just it stuck with me. He said, "You know what I like about my side gig? Because it just doesn't even seem like work. Like I just enjoy, I just enjoy doing it, and I'm making money doing it. That's what that's the place where you find yourself with a side gig. Now, is that always going to happen? No. Once um, again, you start looking at the prioritization of what you need to do, um, or what you need to chase, and of course that opportunity to make that top priority." Uh, but if you can find that trifecta, you're going to find yourself in a pretty sweet spot where you're working and enjoying it, and also making a little money on the side.
0: I'm encouraged that you said that there is quite a big market now for English tutoring because I was an English teacher for three years, and I put I put something on my Facebook and social media last week, basically saying, "Hey, any parents out there that are that are struggling with this homeschooling setup and you want some help for your Eng- your kids in English?" reach out to me. And it sounds like I need to go to some, I guess there are some websites that cater yeah. to that. So I guess I need to sign up for those because I was hoping that just my network of people, you know, when up from kids that I was a teacher of, their parents might want to enlist my help. Well I haven't gotten anybody biting on that. And that's a I was just driving back home uh last week. I forget what I was going for. I had to go back to to my hometown for something. And I thought of that. I was like, you know what? That's a really good uh thing that I should do. And why can't I, why can't I use my skills? Like, cause I've been trying to find also some you know, freelance writing gigs and I've mm-hmm. been doing some, but they haven't been paying. And I'm like, okay, I'm tired of doing things for free. Uh, I mean, I, I still have my full-time job and all that, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Everybody's hurting right now and everybody's looking for different ways to make money. So it's interesting because you mentioned some, some of the, I guess, you know, recession proof type of, uh, gig economy type stuff, but what are some other places where no matter what might be happening in the in the in the economy? Are good places to look to do some side gigs?
1: Yeah, so there are still some food delivery services that are, are doing doing really well um, like a like a like a grub hub um, those things are are still up and up and running uh, the key though is to once again find the the one that um, obviously, makes your increases your income, but where you actually enjoy it, and that um, you can um, use your skills that God has has given you, and so just finding those things uh, that allow you to increase your income by by making sure that there's your passion there and your skill set. And by the way, so you're getting paid um, for something. Somebody's paying you for something right now. What is that something? So that's another way to to figure out your skill set because more than likely, if somebody's already paying you to do that thing, somebody else is also likely to pay you to do that thing. Now, you don't need to um, get into a um, a competitive uh, scenario where what you're doing on the side competes with your full-time job. You want it to complement, which most, for whatever reason, most assume that side gigs take away from your full-time work and I found that just to be not true Um, I've often found that side gigs actually help fuel your full-time work and can actually make you a better employee not just me personally those that I work with who have side gigs it is amazing what those side gigs have done for them and their ability to do do their job well with their full-time work and so uh, oftentimes you get to Learn a new skill or improve an existing skill. You get to uh, maybe even experiment um, with some different strategies. Um, I, I have a friend who uh, does social media for a for a large organization, and he also does on the side social media for a few other companies, uh, much smaller companies. But what he has been able to do with those smaller companies, with those side gigs is that they give him money and he gets to experiment from just marketing, what works, what doesn't work. And then he takes those lessons learned and applies them to his full time job. And so essentially it's like they're paying him to um, to become a better employee for this or organization. And so they're benefiting, he's benefiting the the organization, the large organization is benefiting. So it's a really neat uh, thing that's, that's going on. I see it happening over and over again. Um, and of course, if you're generating greater income, that's going to be less stress uh, that you have at your at your full-time job, and that could be that can be helpful to make you a better uh, full-time employee. And it doesn't necessarily have to road your work as as a full-time employee, but it can actually um, and that can actually make you a better better employee.
0: Yeah, what what I found through, through at least in my search and experience with other friends who have had success in the gig economy is that the more creative you are the better off you can be and and not necessarily creative in the sense of like the artistic sense which that does help but creative in the sense that you're thinking outside of the box of what your skill set is where right. you might be able to use that so for instance i by trade am a writer okay if i wanted to be straightforward i would go to newspaper and magazine and yada 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 and reach out to them well you know there's plenty of other places that need content I just might have to think down into the third and fourth layer of all that and do some research to find those opportunities. And I think there's a lot of people that they want to make some extra money, but at the same time, they don't want to do the extra work that it takes to get there. So how much of this is you mentioned before we started talking that it's discipline and that kind of stuff. How much of it is discipline, but also just the uh, the work ethic to find those opportunities?
1: Yeah, you're making a very important point. Um, this is work. I mean, there are hours that are that you're allowing into to do this. You can enjoy it. um and I hope that you I hope that you do, but it's it's work. it It takes calendaring. It, so it takes scheduling out the yeah this gig we're not talking about a money tree that's in the in in the backyard. Uh, that's not what we're talking about. This is real, real jobs with real work um that hopefully generate real income for. you. And so there's an element of discipline um, from a, both a scheduling standpoint and just ensuring that you're that you're delivering a high-quality service, whatever you're doing, because the goal, of course, is to generate more and more revenue. And so you do this by making sure that you deliver on the expectations that you have laid out, that you have satisfied customers, and hopefully you then ask them, and I put this in the, I laid this out in the book on how to do it, ask them. To review and rate, just like you would on Amazon or you know, this podcast, you're asking people to tell others about it, and by doing that, it gets the, the the word. And you're shown a reliable source for whatever service that you're that you're doing. So it's not just well, I'm just making money, and um, I don't have to worry about the customers or anything like that. No, because we're supposed to do everything to the glory of God, including our side gig. And so, as we do that, um, we're delivering exceptional service in whatever we do, and that's increasing our rotation and then generate more. and hopefully it creates more of a snowball effect for you in your with your with your side gig.
0: That's great. yeah, I love that. even just like approaching your side gig with the same level of tenacity that you would approach your real job. and especially because you don't know when times like this might happen and your real job, your your, your full- time job might, uh, might come out from under your feet and you've got to rely on that side gig I guess the the downside of it you know I, I got to have Daniel M on a few weeks ago or about a month or so ago and, and his book is kind of about uh, the, the negative effects of what this gig economy can cause on people and his you know his book kind of centers on people that maybe might be doing a little too much and they end up stretching themselves so thin that they don't have a, they don't have anything left to give once they're done with their full-time job and then maybe they've got multiple side gigs and then they don't have time to put toward their family or with god or it just wears them out so how much of this too is a balance of trying to find a side gig that you want to do to make some extra money but you also don't want to physically damage yourself and and ruin the time that you might have with other people
1: yeah, I love that book by by Daniel M., and um, I, I'm com- in complete agreement with him. In in the in Find More Money, I ask you to set your, your goal. What are you actually going after? What financials are you trying to, to take? So I have the eight money milestones that we find in the money challenge and the marriage challenge, and those are your guides or what financial step you should you should take next so do you need to save three to six months worth of living expenses is that the next step or do you need to set aside 15% of your income for retirement is that your next step do you need to pay off debt is that your next what is next and then what uh, what financial goal do you need to set to be able to take that next step now the average person who has a gig eight dollars per year So we're not talking about becoming a gajillionaire. This is not a get-rich-quick scheme. So what we're chasing after is around eight thousand dollars per year, and and but that's of course that's not insignificant. I mean, eight thousand dollars per year actually go a long way. Any of your any of your financial goals, but you set your goal and you allow that goal to determine how much you need to, to actually work um and of course if you're if you're married and you have kids this should be something that you're collaborating with um with your with your wife that everybody's on board you understand what you're doing because it will take time um i'm not going to say that you can just wake up and there will be more money in, in your account it does take time it does take work it usually takes around about 10 hours extra per week so we're not talking about another 48 hours um if you are going beyond that that 10 hour mark um, maybe you're setting the goal too high um maybe um you're you're, you had the wrong side gig that's not generating the income that you that you need you maybe need to look at a different type of side gig but i completely agree with with what daniel's saying this is not a, a time to completely just take away from your family from your spiritual life like that's not the purpose of a side gig. A side gig is a means to end it a comp, whatever financial goal that you, that you have. And maybe it is just simply putting food on the table, but whatever financial goal that uh, that you have. And hopefully it's also short term. So when I, now when I say short term, I mean like one to maybe two years. So we're not talking about for the rest of your life. And um, so we're setting a goal and we're chasing after that goal and hopefully there's an end date on that, on that, on that goal. So completely i completely agree with daniel you you have to make sure that it's not eroding your ability to lead your family well to be a good husband uh to be a good wife to be a good mom to be a good uh, dad to make sure uh, that your spiritual life is uh is still flourishing so it should not erode uh any of those particular areas
0: that's awesome yeah i, I think there's a there's a great way to balance all of that and and yeah i, I my wife is very much a member of the gig economy, and and I am t- to some extent because I make some money coaching tennis and, and doing a little writing on the side. I mean, uh, I definitely would love to be able to make some money off this podcast. Has not happened yet, but this is kind of more of a hobby at this point. Um, but you know, eventually, I, I hope that maybe this can 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 bring in a little extra money as well because um, you know we're still like she. My wife is, like I said, she's a marriage counselor. And for the next couple of years, she's under an associate license. So the pay that she would be getting is about half of what she would get with the full license. So she's not really getting paid full time. So we're kind of at like one and a half paychecks right now. So like we very much are trying to get, you know, whatever extra money we can on the side of both of ourselves uh, to help that out. So it's we're, we're also trying to make sure that we aren't, uh, you know, taking away time for for each other. We're trying to make sure that we don't take away time uh, from our time with god and all that kind of stuff and she she's a lot more uh, disciplined i think than i am in terms of scheduling out her day and you know what she's doing not necessarily hour by hour but she's really good about like hey every morning i am getting up and i'm doing this and this and this and i'd like to get to that point and i, I kind of I, like i did a podcast a few weeks ago where i talked about how like obviously nobody wants what's going on in the world But I also think there's a lot of beauty in the idea that there's some stillness and there's a chance to recalibrate where we get our identity, where we get our joy. And for me, it's kind of like I can really reset without any distractions and focus on some of the things that I want to do. Like I I mentioned this on pretty much every episode because I have a lot of writers on here and I love to talk about it, but you're talking to me on Skype. So you can see behind me, this board is a book that I've been working on for about a year and a half. And so I have time now where I can finish my, hopefully what will become my book, my book proposal for my first book. And between teaching and coaching and working, I just allow myself to get distracted. And then I come home at night and I'm like, man, I've got sports on that I want to watch. I don't have anything going on right now. And so I can focus on this. I can focus on you know, maybe doing some side gigs. And I think it, it's important that even though the e- economy is what it is, we try to find i I hate the term silver lining but try to find the the benefit of what's happening right now obviously we wish health and wellness on everybody but there's got to be some uh some goodness that comes out of any any horrible thing and i think you know maybe people getting creative with how they communicate and now creative with maybe some other side jobs that they could do might be a benefit because i think when we come out of this we're going to see a whole new world we're going to see something that we didn't see a couple weeks ago. I mean, think about how people are communicating now with their Zoom and Skype and FaceTime and all kinds of digital ways. And people are trying to find creative ways to make money that, you know, whatever side gig that they're doing right now may end up be becoming a full time thing for them. So um, I don't know. What is, what is your idea of what you think the, the economy and, and what our country might look like as we come out of this mm-hmm. virus infused recession that we're in right now?
1: yeah, it's it, it will look different. Um, I'm, I can't fully say what um, it will look like at, at this point. Here's what I do know. Um, we are teaching an entire generation of people who might not have been very technologically savvy um, as as they were before they they are now. Um, everybody's learning how to, as you said, use Zoom, uh, use Skype um, and to operate from, from home. So we're going to be much more technologically savvy, which is going to create, um, organizational flexibility mo- moving forward. Um, so I mean, I'm, I'm a, a, a vice president at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and we're a school of almost 5,000 students. And we have gone completely online. I'm recording here from, from my, from my house. This is also where I work from now. Now, we're a, we're a pretty large school, one of the largest seminaries in the in, in the world, and we've learned how to operate from our houses. Now, that's not to say that we're going we're gonna to do that um, uh, forever. We, we hope to get back to, uh, to our campus and uh, have on-campus students, but we're learning a lot right now. We're learning about what we can do and how to function in the digital world and how to leverage the technologies that, we, that we've had. Unfortunately, we've been a very nimble organization we've been able to pivot really quickly because some of the the things that we had 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 in place but there are going to be organizations like ours that um are going to just look differently and we're going to realize that hey we can actually do some of this stuff on, online and um, even produce income on, online in ways we just never thought possible so i don't know exactly what it will what it will look like but i know that it will be different of course during this time Many people are stressed. Um, They're they're concerned about their about their finances, and understandably so. um, Many have have lost jobs uh, as the employment rate just continues to to skyrocket. Many of those side gigs that we talk about have gone gone away, and so sources of income are 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 drying up. And so during this time, my encouragement to uh, individuals that find themselves in financially difficult situations is to one make sure you're prioritizing how you're spending your money um so if you um if you have a house payment if you have utilities food obviously make sure that you're you're taking care of those priorities and i would um, of course add even before that i know this sounds a little counterintuitive but um don't neglect your generosity um the bible tells us that giving it to uh, be a first fruit that we are to give our first and our best and there's no, really not an exclusion clause on that, which is, it's not an easy thing for me to say. So fortunately, you know, the Bible says it, it's not an archer <laughs> thing, but it's a, it's a Bible thing. And so, um, even if, um, you find yourself with a drastically reduced income, whatever income that that may be, make sure that you're giving your first and your best to, to God. And remember the widow's mind, right? So it was the lady that, uh, the widow who had, gave two coins that Jesus went out who said that he said she gave more than anybody else in this in this simple area and so take whatever little God has given you take a, a portion of it the Bible talks about proportional giving meaning that we give according to what God has given us and be sure to be sure to continue your generosity um, take care of house payment uh, make sure there's there's food that can be that can be uh, um, on, on the table. Your utilities are paid, that your car is paid, just expenses. Um, Anything else, it may need to go away for a time. So prioritize your your expenses, stay disciplined. Those who are disciplined during this time are going to be the ones who likely come out on the other end okay, um, assuming that their health is intact financially. um, Those who remain disciplined are likely going to be okay. And then finally, be grateful. Uh, this is something that we are working on as a as a family, the Rainer household, um, in a time when everything seems like it's getting stripped away from us. And understandably, though, uh, we, can't, but we cannot do the things that we were once able to do. Um, even just a few days ago and a few weeks ago, we can't do those things anymore. And it's a time when you can become very discontent and frustrated mm-hmm. with the situation. So what we have decided to do is we have decided to focus on what that has given us. And so i'll gather our boys together we have three boys ages nine six and three and i say all right guys what are you thankful for and i'll get it things started and i'll say yeah I'm for the house i'm glad that we have a roof over our head during during this time because there's you know there's people out there that don't have a roof over their head and i'm grateful for for that um and then I'll go in and say yeah, i'm grateful for our food And i say you know what, buddy i am with you i'm thankful that we have food on the table It may look a little bit different right now, and we can't go to the grocery store as much as we we used to before. Um, But I'm grateful that we still have food that we get to eat. Another boy would say, I'm grateful for for my toys. Um, And I say, Yeah, I am too, because, man, we need to, we're trying to keep same which keeps us sane as well and those toys help so i'm really glad that we have toys and then yeah. the three-year-old will say i'm thankful for my boogers and i'll say you know what buddy i i, I don't know if i'm there with you, but i'm thankful <laughs> thankful for, it for those and um and I, you know i hope that eventually that this this, this is a phase that will just eventually go away um but uh, you know we're, we're focusing on those things that that we have been given and by doing that um we find ourselves less concerned about what we don't have and um i've been very uh, we're not the perfect parents we don't have the perfect family but i will say i've been happy with what i've seen uh with our with our family um you know when you're squeezed you never really know what's going to come out and um i'm I'm grateful for what i've seen and part of that is just we've while we're in the house we're just determined to focus on what we have as opposed to what we don't have so once again you're gonna have to prioritize finances um, so make sure that you already have the, those plans in, plans in place. Um, when income drops, you know, what, what do you cut? Um, you're going to have to be disciplined. It's going to be incredibly important uh, during, during this time. And then finally, have a, just have a posture of, of of thankfulness toward God. Take out whatever God has given you. Uh, be thankful for that and uh, focus on that as opposed to what you, what you don't have. And those who do those things, I think, are going to end up on the other side okay.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. That's a that's a really good way to approach this. That's the, I think that's the way that my wife and I have been trying to look at it. You know, we've got a lot more time to spend together. I I can pretty much work from home in my job as it is, but I do go into the office quite a bit, and then my wife typically works from the office, and so we don't see each other you know until we get home in the evenings, um, and then it's just we're trying to 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 take the blessings that we have and just focus on those because we have our health. Um, we've got, we don't have kids yet, but we have two cats that we can hang out with. And, uh, you know, we get to go on walks occasionally or whenever it's nice out. And, you know, it's just, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I was just thinking about that. I went on a walk by myself yesterday. Uh, and I just was kind of, I was just thanking God, like, you know, for, for the, just the weather. And even though we're in this uncertain season, just thankful for the, the different things that we have that, you know, maybe people that live in other parts of the world don't have and we take it for granted and it was weird because I I just kind of was thinking to myself you know this is almost like a kind of a peek into what maybe life was like before it got so hectic where you know I was walking there was hardly anybody on the streets not really many cars out not a lot of commerce going on and it kind of was like man I wonder what life was like before it got so busy that you know like, like like the lives that we're living now and yeah, I think it's just a great way to you gotta think about what what it is that we're grateful for, what it is that we can focus on, and and just let that kind of be your guidepost through all of this. Um, I'm curious, you know, as as you started putting this book together, I'm always curious about writers in their in their workflow and their in their process of how they come up with something. Where where do these ideas come from? Is this apart from Anecdotal life experience, or other things that maybe you picked up in school, or just how did you how did you get these ideas—the Uh, the, the ones that you chose for this book? I mean, where where did these all come from, and how did you know that these are the ones that you wanted to put in here?
1: Well, as I, as I mentioned before, it really started out of the, just the conversations I was having with everybody. I recognized that there was a there was a need out there, Um, and the, the reality is there's not many books if on the incomes from a from a Christian worldview on the income side of the financial equation. Nobody has really talked about that, which is a shame um, because we've allowed the, the world to lead the conversation. And that often creates an, an end that uh, as believers that we're not, we're not chasing after. And, and so to be able to not only talk about the income side of the financial equation, but also, Talk about it through the lens of a Christian worldview. I realize that there's just there's a there's a need, and maybe with this with this book, it's just a book that gets the conversation going that helps people not be afraid to talk about income, um, and because it's a taboo topic in many households, uh, many churches, this uh, the ta- it's income is a taboo topic, and so which I think is a um, is a lie that the that we bought into uh, that Satan has put out there. Because the Bible obviously talks about finances um, significantly. There's over 2,000 verses on money, possessions, stewardship. Jesus spoke about money more than any other topic while he was here yeah. on earth. And so this idea that we should not talk about it, a really weird um, mindset that we have. And the think part of it is that we, we have an amazing opportunity, even right now, um, when things are kind of crazy, but we have an amazing opportunity as evangelicals in America. Um, I, I actually these, these, this this um, concept from a guy named James Wise who wrote a book called Inheritology. Um I, I adjusted the numbers that I'm going to go through here here in a second. But we in the next 20 years we're um, we're in the middle of what's called the Great Wealth Transfer, and uh, basically you have money transferred from one generation to the next in the form of estates. Um, as one generation passes and they anticipate that around $30 trillion with, with a T will trans, will transition from one generation to the next over the next 20, 20 years. Let's assume that evangelicals make up around 25% of America. Now you can debate those numbers. Ultimately you see it, it doesn't matter. If that's the case, then 7.5 trillion, now want to put the T dollars will be in the hands of evangelicals just with the great wealth transfer alone. Now, uh, rough numbers um, on for unreached people groups, those who have yet to hear the name of, of Jesus, it's around 3,200 people or people groups around the around the world. Now, let's assume that it takes $75,000 per year to reach one unreached people group. Um, then let's also assume that it takes more than one year. but It really takes 20 years to really engage that that group. 3,200 times um, 75000 Times 20 years is about $4.8 billion with a B. Now, once again, we have $7.5 trillion with a T, 4.8 billion with a B is what we need. If you don't know the difference between a billion and a trillion, there's 1,000 billion and 1 trillion. So what we're talking about is just a drop in the, in the bucket. The reality is that God has given us significant resources in, in the United States alone. And I could not help, when I read those those numbers, I could not help but think, well, what if we don't? What if we don't do something about it? What if we don't start talking about finances differently, starting with with a different why? Often, when we talk about finances, it's so that we can do whatever we we want. I just you know, if you if you have debt, I don't know if you do, but I care less about you getting out of debt. If all that you're going to do after you get out of debt is just spend it on, on whatever you want, I care less. Now I get out of debt, Greg, but I don't. That 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 just doesn't motivate me. What motivates me. And I think we should be talking about finances and even the income side of the financial equation is that I want you to get out of debt. I want a financial coach to coach somebody to get out of debt, not for their sake, but hopefully to free up more income, more, more money, to then reach those unreached people group. I care about that unreached people group in, in India that is yet to hear the name of Jesus. Let's get out of debt for that. Now mm-hmm. I can get that. I can get pumped. Let's, let's find money to free up more margin in our budget, so that we can live and give more generously, and advance God's kingdom around the world. That's what I'm. That's what I get pumped about. And um, I lay that out and and find more money. We need to start with the right why, and it it takes us being honest about this 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 conversation and being willing to talk about that. we be willing to talk about money, what the Bible actually says about money and so um but once again i think we bought into a significant lie and it has a limited us from one, discipling in one of the most significant areas um in our, in our lives and then two limiting the opportunity um, or at least chasing the opportunity that god has has laid before us and so um yeah i um that, that motivates me that motivates actually all my financial writing um, when you talk about ideas um and so um but from um there are other ways that I, reasons why I write. I always have somebody in mind when I'm when I'm writing. So I have a person that I have in mind when I'm writing any any book, and I'm basically writing a letter to that person, and that drives the way I explain concepts. Um, often I'm thinking I'm not thinking of somebody who uh, has all their has everything together financially. They're struggling financially. They don't understand financial terms. They get intimidated when they hear about things like compounding and things. So I try to figure out ways to communicate these financial terms in ways that they can understand. Because I believe that you, you can. most people can understand financial concepts. Too often we try to make them too heady to uh, make our, ourselves seem a little bit more intelligent than we are. I'm just not that intelligent. And so I just explain to uh, people financial concepts in the way that I understand them. And um, and it seems to connect with just kind of your average uh, person, and so um, I write to that person, and that seems to seems to to help um, set the tone and make sure that I'm connecting well with the with the reader.
0: That's great. Yeah, I think the, the the best books that I've read are the ones that felt like they were personal, that they were written you know, more specifically to one person or a type of person that might be struggling with something. And, and you can tell like, that's, that it's a, it's an effective way to write. So that's, that's good. And I think, man, that's, that's great. Cause I think a lot of people, they want to have more money, but they want to do, they want to use it to, to do it, to do with whatever they want to do, like we spend it on clothes or a new car or something. And I think, yeah, if we're Christians and we're having this approach that we want to free up our debt, we've got to have a Christ centered mindset whenever we are, are thinking about how to steward our money I, I, our pastor here in bowling green uh gave a sermon about a month and a half or two months ago all about money and um it was he basically did a whole series where he allowed the the congregation to submit some questions and that was that was what guided a few of his sermons and like you said money is mentioned the most in the bible Well, that was the most. That was the topic that got the most amount of questions. And whenever Emily and I got married, uh, he was saying how obviously money is one of the biggest reasons for problems in marriages. And if you don't have a budget, then you basically don't have like a contract in your in your marriage. And so we've really had to have some hard conversations about money, just because you know neither my wife and I or I are, are really. The, the strongest when it comes to money or anything like that. But we understand the 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 importance of how we need to steward our money correctly. We need to make sure that we are are not uh, overspending. My wife is now doing, are you familiar with what's called the contentment challenge? Have you ever heard of this?
1: I have not, but I'm intrigued.
0: So she did this a few years ago, but shortly after we started dating. And it's where you take about three months and you eliminate purchasing any unnecessary things so for her that's you know shopping or really any i I forget how it's defined she's she was a little bit more rigid the first time she did it Uh, she's had a little bit more grace with herself this time but she's cut out like like she she likes to shop but she's cut that out she's cut out all kinds of things that she normally would spend her money on because she realized like i'm spending like wow, I spent this much money on this this month. So what's ironic is that she started, it didn't even realize when she started that it actually ends on Easter, her her challenge. So it was like an elongated lint. Uh, And I was like, you know, you kind of picked a good time to do that considering we can't really even go out and do a whole lot now. (laughs) So but it's a—I forget who—who who came up with this idea. There was an author that that came up with this, um, maybe a blogger. I think she's pretty popular on Instagram. I'll have to look up her name and send it to you. But she, uh, yeah, so she's done this a couple times, and it, it just encourages people to cut out all the unnecessary spending for three months. And you—you mean you, you could spend money on food, you could spend money on on your necessities, your bills, and all that. But it it, it strips, you know, strips you from. Uh, you just going out and, and saying like, Oh, I'm going to get a new shirt this weekend. I'm going to get some new jeans I'm going to get a new hat or whatever. And so it's, it's a way to, to keep yourself accountable. It's a way to make sure that you, uh, only spend money on the essential things that you need to spend money on. And then, then you could see at the end of that, like, man, I have so much money left over just because I didn't spend it on that kind of stuff. And yeah. I've not been brave enough to try it yet. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't really buy a, but I don't really buy a lot of things. My big thing is that I like experiences. And so I I prefer to work from a coffee shop a lot. And so I'm guilty of going there two or three times a week. And then I look back and I'm like, okay, I just spent way too much money this month there when I could have just worked from home. And so that's where you talk about discipline. It's gotta be discipline where like, I might be craving that I might be wanting to go get coffee. um, But I've got to just be like, you know what? I went yesterday. I don't need to go today. So that, I think the discipline part, at least for me is the most difficult part. Um, You know, I, I, in your experience, I mean, what has been I don't want to say the most difficult thing, but you, I think for most people, discipline is going to be one of the hardest things. Uh, in terms of saving money and not overspending, what are some of the challenges that you have seen that people often run into?
1: So contentment certainly is a is a significant issue that I continue to to run across. Um, there is a a belief out there that I've uncovered that um, that has pushed people to spin beyond their their, their means to chase a lifestyle that um, that is simply beyond their their reach, beyond most people's reach, and that's that other people can afford it, um, and so therefore I should be able to afford it. And the reason why um, it's kind of a, a myth is that, that most people cannot afford it. I was um, doing a, a budget workshop with uh, with a couple and, and the significant amounts of, of debt, significant uh, number of credit cards that were out there. And she made a comment to me uh, that, that really struck me. She said, you know, I just don't see how everybody can afford all of these nice things. I don't see how they can afford these cars I don't see how they can afford these houses. I don't see how they can afford all of these nice things. And I stopped her and said, well, do you think that they can actually afford them? Or do you think that they're just like you and that they have a lifestyle that's propped up by a significant amount of debt? The reality is when you look at the statistics, um, what I just said was true. Most people actually can't afford it. Most people are in debt and um and so with the cars that you see I have, I have a different view. when i see a, a really nice car my mind doesn't immediately go to the thought that oh man look what they look what they can afford it's oh man they're probably leasing that car <laughs> and that means that they don't own it and that means that here in about two to three years or whenever their lease runs up they're gonna have to take that car in and they're not going to have a car once they take that car And so they're either going to have to now take out a loan or start another lease, and they're stuck in a vicious cycle right now. Um, even uh, so, millennials and younger generation we've really latched on to to leases more so than other, other generations in the past, and so we see individuals driving really nice cars. That's really where your mind should go. Um, that there's probably debt behind that car, or they probably don't own it at all. They're just renting the car and they're making a unwise financial decision. And so we need to put a different lens, which we, we see the world because the reality is most of the time when you're trying to compare yourself to others. You're comparing that you're to somebody that they can't afford what they're doing either. And uh, they've made a decision to prop up their lifestyle with debt. And eventually it's all going to come crashing down. Yeah. It can't stay forever. And so stop chasing the Joneses. Stop chasing the Gateses, Bill and Melinda Gates. You know, no, We're no longer t- chasing just our neighbors. We're, we're, we're watching the lifestyle of literally billionaires. Yeah. And we're comparing our lifestyle to the billionaires. So stop chasing these people because once again, more than likely they can't afford it either and it's going to only lead to financial ruin for uh, for, for you so stick within your means be content focus on what you you do have be grateful for those things and stop thinking that everybody can afford what they're doing as well Man, that is
0: so good because I when i when I got to talk to Daniel, I had just written an article on my website where I was talking a lot about contentment and identity and, and comparison because I have struggled so much with comparison, especially as I've, I've started to be more public with my creative endeavors with writing, with podcasting, I find myself guilty of comparing myself to people that supposedly are more successful than I am. And I wonder why I'm not to that level yet. And then I had to quickly remind myself that like, I don't know everybody's story. I can only control mine. But what I what I found, and you just hit on it, whenever I did some research for that article, I did not realize, I mean, I guess I knew it, but I didn't really think about it as much. But yeah, like there are people that are literally going into debt to be able to continue their lifestyle on social media. And Daniel brought up, and I, whenever I talked to him, he said, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago, you never would have seen people talking about, Iceland. Nobody knew what Iceland was. And now everybody's going to Iceland because it looks awesome on Instagram. And, and you're sitting at home and you're, and you're in your pajamas, your sweatpants, and you see these people posting these pictures. And you're like, I want that. And so then you decide, okay, I'm going to book a trip, whether it's Iceland or wherever else. You want to book a trip to a place that you know is going to look awesome on social media so you can take those pictures and there's so many people that are are they're overspending outside of their means to continue and show off a lifestyle that they can't keep up and i think that is one of the most dangerous things that my generation and our generation faces because that's the world people think Oh, you got this going on on social media, so obviously you're successful, and I wanna, I wanna have that too. And then, you know, we're driven by the amount of likes we get, and then it's like, oh, well, I got 300 likes. Let me see if I can get more. And I mean, for some people, the, the amount of likes that you get does mean more money because you can get ads that you can sponsor on social media. But for the average person and for the for most people, you're not gonna be an Instagram influencer, and people are are chasing that lifestyle, and they're in, they're actually throwing themselves into debt. To, to chase that lifestyle. And I, I mean, I, what is, there's, there's no cure for it, but I mean, what, what can we tell our generation other than just to say, stop, to, to realize, I mean, I guess they're going to have to look at their bank account and realize that it's hurting them. But if that doesn't do it for them, I mean, what are, what are the ways that we can get people to to stop chasing that lifestyle and just be content?
1: Ask why? Why are yeah. you doing this? Yeah. What 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 void what void are you trying to fill right now? Um, the the reality is when you're doing those types of things, your in case that your why is is off. Um, your understanding your your why behind your fi- the financial decisions that you make is is off. Um, and it's, it's ironic because even secular research shows us that those types of decisions don't lead to greater contentment, greater satisfaction. In fact, it's all the, the opposite, that you will find yourself less satisfied, less content with what you have by making those decisions. What studies do show us um, is that if you use your money, to benefit others, if you are generous with your financial resources, then you will uh, develop a greater sense of contentment and satisfaction with your financial resources. And of course, I, I read those studies, and to me, it just points back to God's design for us—that we were designed to be to be generous, to reflect God's generosity toward us. And and so, when we are generous to others, we find ourselves with just more content. And it's because of our why becomes the the right why. And so um, when uh, when when I hear about that, I always think, well, why are you doing this? What are you actually trying to, to accomplish? And for most people, it's actually not even money. They're they're chasing after something else. They want to be somebody. They want to be perceived as as somebody. And so um, they're they're chasing after something that ultimately just won't won't fulfill. And so they're going to end up in a financial mess. And incredibly discontent at at the same time it's going to be um it's going to come crashing down
0: yeah i i think in my opinion contentment is is one of the greatest battles that our generation and and younger people are facing now and i think social media has been the the major culprit of that and there's obviously great things about social media and we've seen good things about the internet as we have uh progressed into this uh coronavirus situation But man, there are some downfalls to it that really can lead people to some bad insecurity that really does translate to their bank account. And it's scary. And it's scary that we believe these lies. It's scary that Satan can attack us in that way and tell us, you need to chase after this and no, invest your money in here and you'll see the return. And we believe that. And it's so scary that it's so easy to believe because when we're scrolling through our phone, and when something looks so easy for somebody else, we automatically think, well, I can do that. I, I can, you know, like oh this person they they flew out to Hawaii and did this awesome video. Why don't I try to do that? And I'll get you know a, a social media following, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just that that is a scary tactic that Satan uses to attack us. So I, I think it's great that you you're mentioning contentment because to me, that's one of my favorite topics to talk about because, it's just so prevalent. I think, I think everybody struggles with it to some degree, some people much more than others. Uh, but I think at some point we're, we're bound to struggle with that idea of contentment. So I, yeah, I, contentment and money, I think go hand in hand. And so it, it makes, it makes sense that that's, that's, uh, that's part of your, part of your book here. Um, one of the last questions that I always like to ask people is, you know, the, the show is called in no hurry. And so, a lot of that kind of has to do with contentment um but it's mostly about whenever life and i keep saying i've got to figure out a way a different way to ask this um because we're not really living a hectic lifestyle right now um you know we're, we're all kind of not mellow but we don't have as much going on as we did so right. what i usually like to ask people is you know when your life gets hectic or whenever you're you're out of control and and you can't really uh keep your keep your schedule where you want it to be what are some things that you do to kind of peel back from that that hectic schedule or hectic lifestyle to just relax and and be with god and and just uh allow yourself to not be in a hurry what are, what are some ways that you that you do that in your own life
1: well i do try to turn turn towards scripture and um and i'm one of those who need some type of plan uh, like a reading plan and i found that that's the way that um that i stay consistent and so um, diving into scripture and diving into my already um, plan, one of the ways that I, that I do that. Um, I also try to focus on um, my voice. So I'll look at um, the Facebook memories. And I, I love them and I hate them at the same time. Yes. <laughs> I love them because it brings back a memory. Um, I hate them because it makes me realize how quick this move and I, I had one even this morning that was my boys uh, just last year last year this time we were actually on on the beach in south carolina we were supposed to be and, there right now on the beach in south oh carolina, yeah
0: and we canceled our trip because of uh because of all this
1: well I, I looked at them and it was a picture of them three on on, on the beach and um i mean it, it amazed me in just a year's time how much they had they had grown and i realized yeah in that moment and then almost any time that I see those pictures that time is going so rapidly and I have to be very careful what my priorities are mm-hmm. and how it needs to be my walk with God. It needs to be my, my wife. Um, I need to focus on my, on my kids. And so when things get, get crazy and I feel like they're, they're out of control, um, I try to step back and remember what is actually important here. What will, when I pass, um, what will be remembered about me? More than likely, it's not going to be the books. Um, those will have long since passed. They're going to be, you know, dated. Um, so those things uh, aren't going to aren't aren't going to stick around. But the memories that I have with my boys, my my wife, um, my spiritual legacy, those are the things that are going to stick at least for a generation. The reality is probably after two to three generations, nobody will have any idea. Who Art Rainer was. And that's the reality for the vast majority uh, of us. And so I try to keep perspective um, when things are are getting crazy, and I feel like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. Yeah, I mean, some 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 work obviously you have to do, um, but um, but some some things, um, you're, it's just a matter of I'm losing I'm losing focus. I'm losing um, uh, losing perspective on my on my life and why God has me has me here.
0: That's great. Yeah, I, I think it's a that's a great perspective. And that's the one that I try to have as well, because, you know, we're if we're chasing after attention, we're chasing after supposed fame or whatever. It's all going to it's all going to fade. And it's just not it's, it's superficial. And the things that matter, are the things that we need to to focus on, so I think that's it's always refreshing to to hear that and to be reinforced with that idea. Art, this was great. I'm, I'm really uh, thankful that you got to come on and share your thoughts from this book. Where can people connect with you and and where can they find this book?
1: Yeah, as um, as you have have learned, I'm a very complex guy, and <laughs> um, and of course I say that sarcastically. Um, so where they can find me, I am just an incredible original um, thinker in that I made my uh, website um artrainer.com <laughs> and uh, just incredibly creative and that's so if that's
0: crazy cuz mine is just coleclaiborne.com from <laughs> so the same <laughs> and
1: so if if anybody wants to find me that's a that's a pretty easy way to to find out what what I'm doing um, any of the the social media accounts, I'm I'm usually pretty good at at responding. So Twitter is actually the main one that that I use. But I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. Um, so you can reach out to me there. Um, you can email me at art at artrainer.com dot com. Um, there's just a number of if if somebody wants to find me, they can they can find me.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I always say at the end of the show. I'm always like, I'm pretty much I'm Cole Claiborne on pretty much every social media platform. You can find me there. So there's, there's not two.
1: There's not too many other arts out there. And yeah. if they are, they're usually usually in their 70s or 80s. <laughs> and there's
0: – yeah, that's uh, – you and I – Cole, I think, is kind of a unique name too. So we, we've got that going. We're, we're cornering the, the market on the internet for unique domain name Unique named domain names. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll have links to all of your stuff in the show notes as well so people can click on that and check you out as well. But Find More Money is out um, if you haven't read it yet and you're looking for some financial help during this, during this time, or really in general, uh, you know, pick up this book and definitely give art a follow art. Thank you for coming on. This was a lot Thanks of fun. For having me. And I'm excited to put some of these, uh, some of these ideas to work in my own life and, and share them with my wife as well. So, um, hoping, you know, I, I, think we're going to get through this as a country. We're going to get through this. Uh, if you're a gig economy worker, whether you're, you know, full-time worker i think we're going to get through this and i think we're going to come out even stronger like we talked about earlier i think there are there are a lot of jobs that we may not even know that that, that might exist whenever this happens and so i'm excited to see what our country looks like after this hopefully it's a lot better than what we're than it was before uh, but thank you again it was great and uh we'll catch up again soon sounds good Well guys, I hope that that conversation was useful for you. I know that it definitely was for me. So I hope that you were able to gain something from that and come out with some ideas of ways to make money, whether that's during this COVID-19 crisis that we're living through, or even whenever we're out of this and the economy is back to being stronger, it always helps to find ways to make some extra money. And I really liked what he had to say about finding things where you can kind of blend your passion with your expertise and the things that you're already good at. And so. Hope that you can already brainstorm some things that maybe you could do right now and find some ways to make some more money i'm really excited about this month of april because just because we've all got time on our hands and i'm able to do some more episodes and as you guys know i was a sports reporter before i was a teacher and before i was doing what i do now in marketing and i'm also a high school tennis coach well i was because our season was officially canceled last week due to COVID-19. And so what I'm doing for the month of April is every Thursday, I'm gonna have an athlete on this show and we're gonna talk about how COVID-19 has impacted either their season or their career and how they're navigating that. And so I'm really excited about that. have some bonus episodes this month it'll be kind of like we're doubling up on episodes so hope you guys will tune back every Thursday for those conversations this week we will start with Shannon Sale she is a softball player for Oklahoma University and this was supposed to be her senior year and The spring sports season in the NCAA was canceled. Thankfully for her, the NCAA did grant seniors another year of eligibility, so she'll be able to come back next year, but she obviously had a lot of excitement heading into the season, and she's got to wait and play, and she has a great perspective on how to approach this as an athlete, and so I really am excited to share that with her, and we have some other athletes uh, later this month on Thursdays, and every episode this month, I believe, will help you navigate COVID-19 and the quarantine era that we're living in in some way. I have purposely planned out the guests and the conversations that we have here because I know that this is a very difficult time for us to live in and I want to do my part with this podcast to kind of help you guys get through that. That was kind of the whole goal with this podcast whenever I first started. It was initially to create opportunities to not be in a hurry and relax and we're kind of at a period where that's kind of done for us because of this virus and we have a lot more time on our hands. So I hope that you can fill your time with these episodes and I hope that they provide you with some value in how to navigate what we're going through. So we've got pastors, writers, people that can recommend books, other authors that are going to be on the show as well. And I've tried to give a lot of different perspectives on how to approach this. So I really hope that these conversations help you. I hope you'll tune back in tell your friends about it and subscribe, make sure that they subscribe as well. I'd love to have as many people listening to this as possible. So if you guys need me at all, you guys know where to find me. As I mentioned with art, I'm Cole Claiborne on pretty much any social media platform. Would love to connect with you guys. If, if I've never heard from you and you listen to the show, I would love to hear from you and love to know what you like about this show. Also feel free to email me, cole at innohurry.com. I'd love to connect with you there, but make sure that you check out Art's Facebook and his Instagram, his Twitter, his website. He has posted a lot of stuff about the care act that the government just passed, which is supposed to give us stimulus checks. So if you've got questions about that, he has put out a lot of content answering questions about that. So I really encourage you to check that out as well, but thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you guys find some time to relax and not be in a hurry. And we will catch you on Thursday with Oklahoma softball player Shannon Sale.